Flame. Take your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. So a few Sundays ago we began this series, Proclaim, and sharing Jesus without fear. There's no excuse in 2024 for us not being armed and prepared to share the good news of the gospel. What an awesome privilege it is that God entrusted the gospel to us. We are the mouthpiece. We are the, 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 what plan, God's plan for reaching the, the age in which we live. And uh, we want to share our faith in our home. Uh, we want to share our faith uh, in our workplace, in our city, our schools, and ultimately around the world. And we want to do it with confidence. Uh, so as you're going out tomorrow into the, the, the marketplace, as you go out today to lunch, uh, look for opportunities that God gives us to be a witness and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, a lack of knowledge and a lack of experience will lead ultimately to a lack of confidence in sharing our faith. And we must and we can do better, and we want to encourage you in that process. So as we started learning how to confidently share our faith, last Sunday... Uh, at the uh, end of the music portion of our worship service, if you were here, uh, I hope you never forget what we experienced, what God is doing. And uh, I, was, I was sitting right here on the front row, and I wasn't preaching last Sunday. And in fact, that was part of the schedule uh, as we were planning this series. And uh, I asked Jackson, I said, Jackson, I want you to preach, and I want you to you know, uh, address how we can confidently share our faith in, the, in, in our schools and uh, ways that we can demonstrate how young people can share on their college campus and be an effective witness uh, in different environments. And, uh, and so Pastor Matt was leading worship last Sunday, and as he was standing up there, he said, I just really sensed the movement of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I really feel like there's some people that need to, to be saved in the service. And so he said, Pastor David, would you come up and share the gospel message? And I t I've probably been asked eight or ten times since uh, that service last Sunday morning, Pastor, was that rehearsed? Did you plan that in the service? Was that part of the, the gospel demonstration? And I said, absolutely not. I said, in fact, I heard about it when you heard about it. And, and it was one of those moments where when God is moving and, and the Holy Spirit of God prompts, step right into that because that's when the Holy Spirit takes over and does his greatest work. I was like, there's no time like the present to, to do exactly what we're talking about, sharing our faith with confidence. And, and even as I was sharing the, the, the gospel message last Sunday, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm, am I going to give an invitation? I'm going to give people an opportunity? I mean, we haven't even had the, the sermon yet. It's not even been preached. And it just goes to show how much bigger the gospel is than any of us. And God doesn't need us in the process. But he's willing to use us. And so as I got to that portion, I was like, you know, maybe there's someone that wants to, to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior right now. And it's a reminder, don't ever take for granted that the people sitting across from you, beside you, across the aisle from you, know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I had a, a roommate in college that I'd been a roommate with for probably a, an entire semester and then I was sitting in a church service where he accepted Christ as his Savior. And it hit me upside the head like a ton of bricks. Like, how did you not know your roommate uh, was not a believer? How did you not know that he didn't have a, a personal relationship with Jesus? And so last Sunday, as three people during the service 
acknowledged that they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then right after church, a, a mom came up to me. She said, hey, my daughter accepted Christ this morning. Uh, I think it was one of the, the tracks that we gave her a couple weeks ago. And she said, we were going through it in the car, sitting in the parking lot before church started this morning. And, and, and God spoke. And the amazing thing is it doesn't have to be at church. It doesn't have to be at home. It can be driving down the road. I, I'd encourage you not to close your eyes if you're driving. But, uh, you know, it can be driving down the road. It can be sitting in your office. It can don't take your company time to, to study the Bible. You, you give them their, a day's work. But maybe you're sitting there having lunch at your desk. And, and God gives you the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. That's where we want you to be confident. It might be a conversation at the dinner table uh, today before the Super Bowl comes on. And as our, our volunteers this morning were praying, everyone was talking about the halftime show at the Super Bowl and all of the things, who's going to sing and who might sing and who's going to the Super Bowl and all of these things. And you know what, I, all I could think of is it really does not matter. It, but the opportunity that we have when we gather around the table, opportunities to share Jesus Christ with our kids, your greatest mission field is those people that live in your house, the people that God has placed in your immediate sphere of influence. So God is working. Let's, it's not time to sit back and grow lazy. It, 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 we're living in the last days, and I believe that the return of Jesus Christ is near. That's something to be excited about. And church, let's celebrate what God is doing. Let's anticipate what is it that he wants to accomplish this week. How can he use me as a bold witness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ this weekend? Uh, right after the service, they mentioned this morning, if you're interested in being a part of a mission team, we're not only declaring the name of Jesus here in the triangle, but it also goes around the world. And we have mission teams that are going to be going to Nicaragua. Our students and our, uh, our college students are going to be going to Nicaragua uh, this summer. And they'll have an opportunity to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ in Nicaragua. We have an opportunity to go to Romania for those that are interested in maybe traveling to Eastern Europe. And if you're thinking about what is God doing in that part of the world, you realize that they are right next door to Ukraine. And refugees have been pouring over that border into Romania. And the opportunity that we will have to share Jesus Christ. Pastor Elijah uh, messaged me this morning through, uh, through uh, Facebook Messenger. And he says, this morning as I shared with my church, the group from Raleigh that came last year uh, and did Vacation Bible School, they're coming back again this year and they're doing Vacation Bible School this summer. And he said, immediately in the church, the kids started singing Say Yes to VBS. It's one of the songs we taught them, and I was like, how cool is that? So uh, those of you that went last year, you already have your passports. Uh, go ahead and make plans. Put it on your calendar. Uh, but for those that are interested, uh, you don't have to speak another language to go on one of these trips. We're going to have interpreters with us. The main thing is you need to have a willing heart and go ahead and get that passport. All right, let's, let's pray that God moves in our hearts and lives this morning. Acts chapter 8, we're going to dive into the word this morning. Excited about what God is doing. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem. Why, church? 
to worship. All right, there's three of us in the building. And it was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet who? Isaiah. Isaiah, all right, five more joined us. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip sat there for a while. He cleaned his fingernails. He picked his teeth. He uh, scrolled Facebook and Instagram and looked at the latest reels and all of that. No, it says, so Philip ran to him. Heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. No, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? His life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. Beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about who? Jesus. Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came. He came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. When they were come up in the water, the word of God says, The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at his Otis, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Holy Spirit, would you this morning give us clarity as we look at your word? God, help us to see the message of hope and salvation. Lord, you've called us to be an oasis in the desert. You've called us to be that bright light that is pointing others to a relationship with Jesus. God, I pray most importantly, if there's someone here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you, just like four people did last Sunday, God, would you speak to hearts? Would you transform lives? Would you draw people to yourself and salvation? God, for the church this morning, those of us who know Christ as our Savior, You've called us to go and and be a witness. You've called us. You've told us you would empower us. The Holy Spirit will come upon us, and and we're to go be witnesses here in our city, in our Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God, would you speak to hearts this morning? Would you motivate us? Give us a heart of compassion for the lost. We'll be careful to praise you for what you're going to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray. The title of the message this morning is, is Oasis in the Desert. An oasis is a fertile spot in the desert where water is found. It's, it's a place where something serves as a refuge, as relief or pleasant change from what is usual, annoying and difficult. It uses a place where there's a spring or a well. Philip found himself Literally in a desert. The word tells us that. And verse 28, 6 describes it as a desert place. I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you find yourself, maybe you're saying, Pastor David, I feel like I'm in a spiritual desert. Folks, that's where God meets with us. That's where God reveals his love for us. That's where we see that the mercies of God are new every morning. He gives us wisdom. He gives us discernment. He gives us uh, encouragement in the word. But he wants us to be that source of refuge. He wants us to be a city on the hill that cannot be hid, pointing others toward a faith in Jesus Christ. 
So Philip was one of these people. In fact, you might remember he was one of the first deacons in the church that was spoken of in Acts chapter 6. He was chosen to help minister to the needs of the widows in the church. And as the early church was growing, it was impossible for just a handful of, uh, of pastors to handle all of the needs of the church. So there were people, there were some of the widows in the church, their needs weren't being met. And so they began to mumble and, and, and complain like all good Americans do. We are, we are the master at that, all right? Uh, you talk about uh, other countries. The, it seems like the least that you have, uh, the, the most content that we are. And oftentimes, uh, I've learned over the years, uh, if you want to see how uh, crazy people are, just get social media. We complain about everything. We are experts at everything that we know nothing about. All right? Uh, this, uh, this evening, everyone's going to have uh, their opinion on the game and who should have won and what play should have been called and what this coach should have done and what this. Not a one of us. Not one of us can even begin to do what they'll do on the field this afternoon, this evening. But the reality is we become an expert when, when it comes on about what's happening over in the Middle East. And suddenly we're smarter than the president. We're smarter than all of our military leaders. And we should have an office in the Pentagon. I mean, just ask us. We'll tell you what we should do. And it was like, you have no concept. If, if I was just the mayor of the city, I would do. You have no clue. All right? Sometimes people say, if I was the pastor of this church, I would, you have no clue. The reality is, is none of us, unless we walked in the shoes of someone else, has an, any clue what they're going through. But the reality is this morning is God's called us to be that oasis of the desert. He's called us to be a bright light. And that's where Philip, who's one of these early uh, New Testament Christians, who God is equipping him to be a deacon of the church, he suddenly gets, God, the word of God says he was spirit-filled. They chose men that were spirit-filled to minister to the widows. We see from Acts chapter 6 all the way to chapter 8, Philip had a huge heart for all kinds of people. It perfectly reflects the heart of God. In fact, in Acts 6, it says he cared for the widows. But in Acts 8, the word of God says he had a heart for the nations. As he grew in his relationship with God... God grew his capacity to minister and to make an impact on the nations. He stepped across cultural norms of his day to minister to people whom Christ loves and died for. I want to challenge you this morning from this text. Yield to the Holy Spirit's control. Yield to the Spirit's control in our life. One of the greatest opportunities we have as a follower of Jesus is to experience the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. In fact, that's made possible because of Christ's finished work on Calvary. In the moment you receive eternal life through confessing our sin and receiving Jesus, what he did on the cross through his death, his burial and resurrection, the word of God says we receive the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to receive it. It's another quite uh, different process to, to be yielding to the Spirit's control. So as Philip was faithful where God planted him, in that early New Testament church, the word of God says he was found faithful. And he was appointed to a position as one of the first deacons. He helped carry out the ministry of the church and ministering to those that, that were in need. And what might have started off seeming insignificant 
would God would elevate that and give him a platform that would go international. It would give him a platform to share the good news beyond just the city of Jerusalem. God began to work in his life. The more he obeyed, the more he yielded to the Spirit's control, the more the Lord would work in Philip's life and begin to use him. We see evidence in Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Philip was one of those men. Philip was one of those seven, and he was Spirit-filled, sensitive to the Spirit's control, and it was a, had a major factor in how God would go on to use him to proclaim his faith to others. His being willing to be led by the Spirit was the very reason he encountered the Ethiopian eunuch that day as he's traveling. As, as he's going along, he's, he's cognizant that God is working. God is working in my life, and he has a purpose and a plan. And so as, as the Spirit begins, begins to speak to him, he begins to notice, hey, there are people all around me that need to know of the love of Jesus. His being willing to be led of the Spirit enabled him to see an ordinary situation and how God would do something supernatural. Being led by the Spirit, he recognized a divine appointment that could have been there yesterday or the day before. But it, maybe he didn't see it. But now, as the Holy Spirit is yielding to the Spirit, he's seeing what God is doing. Verse 27, he says, we see when he obeyed, that's when he met the Ethiopian eunuch. What was called Ethiopia was the Upper Nile region. It was North Africa. And the fact that Philip would minister to a man from Africa is evidence of the power of the gospel as it spread out from the, the city of Jerusalem. As, as God began to do such a work in the early New Testament church, they were call, crossing cultural barriers and ministering to people of, of different uh, ethnicities and pe people of, of different backgrounds. And, and it was also just to see how the gospel was beginning to transform the church. God was using the church to declare the name of Jesus to the world. This was no ordinary man. The word of God tells us he was a government official. In fact, he was charged of the treasury of the, the country of Ethiopia under Candace the queen. So he no doubt believed in God or had a knowledge of God, but he had never placed his faith in Jesus. And he could, and so he could go and visit the temple, but the word tells us he was not allowed to enter into the temple. And so the fact that he was reading the prophet Isaiah, folks, is not a coincidence. That's the power of the Spirit. Because long before we even encounter the person God will place in our path this week, he's already been working on them. So here's a man who's been to the temple. He's leaving with lots of questions. He's leaving confused. Why can't I worship here in the temple? Why can't I be a part of this? Why can't I go inside and, and, and find that relationship that he was searching for as he, he was going to, to Jerusalem? Here he is searching and asking questions, and God enables him to meet Philip, the deacon. Reading the prophet Isaiah points to the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. How we can be adopted into his family. And when Philip encountered the Ethiopian eunuch, little did he know that God had already set the stage for a gospel conversation of epic proportions. In fact, he was already working in this man's heart, preparing for him to say, look at verse 29. It says, the spirit said to Philip, go over, join this chariot. In other words, 
That, see that guy right over there beside you on the highway? He has, a, he has a, a need, and you have the answer. You can tell him about Jesus. So, so Philip ran to him. He heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, Philip could have been intimidated. Here's a man uh, who is well up. He's elevated into a position of leadership, a, a national leader. He could have easily been intimidated and said, you know what, I don't have anything to say to him. I mean, he's riding in a Rolls. It's a Bentley. The other day, I was, my wife and I had lunch over in Cary, and uh, I'm telling you, they have a different class of, of people living over there. And, and there was a, a, a Bentley. I don't even know the name of it, but it, it, my, my son knew, and it was a, an SUV. And he said, that's like $375,000, Dad. And I took a picture of a uh, text, and I'm sure he was looking at his phone during school. And, and, he, showed, and he said he knew exactly what it was. And, and I said, man, so here's this guy sitting in a Bentley. He could have been easily intimidated and saying, man, I don't run in that class of people. I don't know anything to say to this man who's riding in that Bentley. But suddenly he recognized as the Holy Spirit's moving in his life, he's saying, hey, that man over there has a question and you have the answer. Go talk to him. The amazing thing is when we're yielding to the Spirit's control, we will see and hear the things that God wants us to see. We'll be guided by his Holy Spirit and the Word. Bill Hybels, who pastored Willow Creek Church in the Chicago area for decades, told of one of his modern-day divine appointments. He said it was in the, the cold of January one evening. He says it was time to take out the trash. And he said, I, I gathered all my trash, put it in the can. He said, I had to take it to the curb. And he said, I, I didn't put on my shoes. He said, it was January. It was freezing cold. He says, I'm just going to run out there real quick. I'm going to sit my can by the curb so when the trash comes in the morning, they'll get it. And he says, I'm going to run back inside. So see, he's doing this. He's, uh, it's a normal, you do it every Tuesday night. My house, it's every Wednesday night. But he's taking his trash to the curb. And he says, as he's walking out, he sees his new neighbor who just moved in across the street. And he said, I looked over there and I saw him. And he said, put my trash to the curb. I start walking back up my driveway. He said, the Holy Spirit... Go talk to him. Lord, my, my feet are freezing. I'm going to get frostbite. I mean, it, there's, it's cold. It's Chicago. It's January. It's nighttime. It's freezing. And he said, as I walked further up closer to my warm house, I couldn't get past the fact that the Holy Spirit was telling me, go have a conversation. So he said, I walked across the street. I stuck my hand down and said, hi. My name is Bill Hybels. I'm your neighbor. I just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood. And he said, hey, my name is such and such. I actually managed the new car dealership in town. And they exchanged names and they went back inside their houses. End of story. No, that's not the end of the story. He said, the next Tuesday night is the same time. He said, I went out and I walked my can to the curb. My neighbor across the street walked his can to the curb. And we had a short little conversation, and he said over the course of the next year, every Tuesday night at the same time, we walked out, and we took our trash cans to the curb, and we shared stories, and he said a friendship began to develop, and we became close friends. He said about a year later, I led that man to Christ, and eventually his entire family to, to Christ, and they began to come to church, and he said... All from walking out 
And listening to the Holy Spirit while I was barefoot in January in the cold, he said, because I said yes to the Holy Spirit. You know what? Those conversations happen every single day. God prompts us, and the more we're walking in the Spirit and yielding to the Spirit, I will never forget. I was hoping they'd be here this morning. They're traveling, but Shevis and Megan Shrum lived across the street. Same scenario. I was like, I had that exact same experience years ago as I lived in, in Willow Spring, and same thing. We would talk as we were taking our trash cans out, and every once in a while we'd see me be cutting his grass, and hey, Shevis, how you doing? And but our, our conversations were short and sweet, and we didn't have a whole lot to say. We didn't have a whole lot in common, and. In fact, he, I've, I've shared this before. He told me early on, he said, Pastor, I'm not interested in church, and we're not planning on having any kids. Well, we moved in. I'm the pastor of the church, local church, and we're pregnant with our second child. And he's like, not interested. So it was kind of like we had nothing in common. He was a state fan. I was a Carolina fan. We had nothing to talk about in those areas. And, Except for state losers. Anyway, uh, we had those moments where you just, you know, you, you, we would talk and we would speak at the, at the curb as we're taking our trash carts out. But it was five, six years later that one night he posted on social media and says, hey, anybody have a church that they recommend my wife and I are in the market for a church? Most people don't say that quite like that, but he said, I'm looking for a church. I was online, I was working on my, my master's at the time and writing a paper and my wife said cruising, you know, Facebook or whatever. And, and, but I happened to see it and someone commented below and said, hey, isn't your, pastor, isn't your neighbor a pastor? Why don't you start with him? You know, talk to him. And so five minutes later, I get a text and it's Chavez. And Chavez is like, hey man, want to know, maybe if you could come over and talk to me and my wife, we're in the market for a church and thought maybe you could come and talk to us about it. And I said, sure. And I said, what, what night works good for you as a firefighter? And, and so we, we talked about it. We said, hey, Monday night works good. And I went over on Monday night. And little did I know between Thursday night when he posted that message to Sunday, he'd be working up an accident in Cary on Sunday morning where he pulled the dead bodies of a husband and wife out of that car. Meanwhile, God had worked in his life and his, his wife's heart. And they had a baby about a few months earlier. So they had a young little baby at home. And Carson was growing up. And he said, I looked in the back. And he said, there was the base of a car seat. But no child. People like that. Kim, you've, you've been in that field before. You see it all the time. And after a while, it... It can make you cold because you see death and, and destruction all the time. And he said, all I can think of is some child is not going to have a parent, a mom and a dad to, to raise them and teach them. I've been there for five minutes, folks. This is happened on Sunday morning. I was there on Monday evening. Five minutes. He said... My heart was broken, and he was tears were in his eyes, and I said, Shevis, let me ask you a question. What if that had been you? Where would you be right now? I said, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. I looked at Megan and said, Megan, 
what if you were in the passenger seat of that car? Where would you be right now? You know what she said just as honestly and clearly before me? She said, I'd like to think it would be heaven, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be. Enter Jesus. For the next hour and a half, two hours, we started at creation. Started sharing the storyline of scripture of how God created us. It was on the screen, just one of the circles. God's God's purpose, God's plan. But man, in the the fall of man, it's brokenness. But God has a plan, and that's a plan for redemption. And that night, I watched as two people who were seeking and searching placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Man, it was what I, I got home and I was like, I told my wife, I was like. Woo, I cannot go to sleep tonight. I was so excited. I was like, I can't wait. And I remember right after that, it was like, Megan says, I'm ready to get baptized. And, and so, and Chavis is like, I'm not ready for that yet. And, and I mean, I hate they're not here. They're not mad at me sharing this, I promise. But the, the reality is, is as, as we talked about it, Megan got baptized like two weeks later, and it was probably six months. And finally, Chavis is like, I'm ready. All right, let's go. But it was just like this story because the reality is, is when God begins to transform your heart, you can't be silent. Opportunities to share the gospel come to all of us as we're faithful, as we're seeking, as we're searching. And the reality is we yield to the Spirit's control. He gives us opportunities every day to share. I wanted this morning... Do you know a neighbor, a co-worker, a family member that the Holy Spirit has been telling you, have a conversation, ask some questions, don't give in to the, 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 the temptations of the devil said, they're going to ask you questions you don't know. We've got an app for that, all right? Well, they're going to ask me a verse I don't know. We've got an app for that. We've got some tracks for that. We're going to help you and encourage you. But folks, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit and his word, gives us everything we need to be successful in sharing our faith, proclaiming the gospel. Then secondly, look for opportunities to share the gospel with others. In verse 32, Philip heard the Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah, none other than Isaiah 53. Church, that is not a coincidence. That is, people say, well, it's just a coincidence. They were, they, no, it's not. And what a coincidence that, that Chevis was working that accident scene on that Sunday morning. Because while I was in the church that morning on Sunday preaching, God was preparing his heart to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, verse 35, Philip opened his mouth, beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about who, church? Jesus. Jesus. Woo! Talk about a gospel conversation. Philip was living on mission. He belonged to a church that was on mission. And for centuries, Jews had debated about this very passage. Is the prophet speaking of his own suffering? Is he talking about the nation of Israel as a whole? Or is it about the Messiah? Philip knew the, the word of God. And he knew the word of God. He understood that Isaiah had explained 750 years before the crucifixion. The suffering, the exaltation of Jesus, at the heart of Jesus' mission was Christ's substitutionary work for sinners. While he was leaving the temple rejected and empty inside, Philip began to help him understand what Jesus did. How he bore his sins on the cross, on his body on the cross, 
so that he might set him free. He told him about Jesus and how much he loves us and how he wants to be our Savior. Philip helped the Ethiopian eunuch to understand the storyline of the Bible. So let me encourage you, be ready to share Jesus. Be ready to share the good news of Jesus. This is why we need to be in the Word, why we have to spend time in prayer daily. The Holy Spirit, if we'll yield to Him, He'll guide us as we seek to know Him. He'll reveal the truths of the Gospel as we seek to share it with others. Be a faithful witness. We need the Holy Spirit's power that's promised in Acts 1-8. We need a good grasp of the Word of God. Philip was prayed up. He was studied up. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handing or dividing the word of truth. What happens is, as we're prayed up, as we're studied up, God gives us opportunities. Another verse, 1 Peter 3, 15, And your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, do it with gentleness and respect. What happens is, as Philip gets up in that Bentley that day, he begins to show the love of Jesus to a person who's lost in his sin. And that person is not intimidated. Here's someone from a different nationality, a different point of view. No, here's someone who cares, who genuinely cares you know that all of us are level at the foot of the cross? All of us are equal in our sin and desperate in need of a Savior. I was talking to Ruth this morning about India, and I was talking to her about some of the, 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 the stark differences. Is they have giant high-rises in some of these cities, and right beside them will be a, a slum area, or, or, or uh, you would be a thatched hut, and it was shocking as I saw it. I said, but you know what? The most happy and content people in my, I've ever met in my life had the absolute least as far as financial resources. Sitting in a village home where a 90-year-old lady came out to a teen retreat I was preaching out. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking I'm ministering to 13 through 18-year-olds. She was 90 or 92 years old. She accepts Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior will at a teen retreat. I'm a blow to my mind. And I go to visit her house because it's my interpreter's mother who got saved. And she comes over and she has an egg basket and she hands me an egg as a gift. In my heart I was thinking this. Someone that might not have lunch tomorrow. She gave something of value, of, of worth. So I'm standing there in a, a mud hut that has a dirt floor and a thatched roof. And she's thanking me for coming all the way from the United States to share the gospel with her. I told Ruth, I said, one Sunday we went to church. The 15 and a 14-year-old girl get up and they quoted the entire book of Philippians. Anybody else in here do that yet? The entire book of Philippians. 
They said Ephesians was like three months ago. They did that one already. They're working on Colossians too. I walked and around the walls of the church were entire chapters of scripture. These girls are memorizing and their mother is a widow. Which in that culture, they're very despised. And look down, they have to sit on the back row of the church. They can't wear flowers in their hand. It may not be like that today, but that's how it was in, in 2012. And I remember thinking to myself, they did not allow their circumstances to define them. Their faith in Jesus transformed them. And so here, the Ethiopian eunuch is sharing and, and Yahweh allowing God to, the Holy Spirit to work through him. I wonder, when is the last time we opened the Bible and explained the good news of Jesus to others? Then lastly, consider using questions as you explain the gospel. This entire passage here, the, the second half of Acts chapter 8, is nothing about questions it's all about questions. Philip asked one question. Do you understand what you're reading? Just a lead in. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? He's like, how can I except somebody explain it? And then the Ethiopian unit goes on to ask him three more questions as, as he's sharing the good news. That's how gospel conversations take place. The three circles method that, that uh, Pastor Jackson has talked about. As it gets toward the end, it's asking questions. If you've ever taken any evangelism training, evangelism explosion, it talks about you're asking questions. Why should God allow you into his, his heaven? Folks, as you're asking questions, you're, you're posing uh, the thought that maybe I don't know everything about this particular subject. Maybe there's more that I can learn. And you might have a similar approach. I remember a few years ago traveling to Romania, one of our mission teams, as, and we were flying overnight. We were leaving Raleigh-Durham at like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. I'm exhausted. I, I'm like, I'm going to have my dinner. I'm going to take a couple of Benadryl. I'm going to watch a movie for about an hour, and then I'm going to be out. And we're going to wake up, and we're going to be in, in uh, Budapest. And uh, so I'm a, I, it's going to be a, a quick thing. Not that night. There was a lady sitting beside me who was from England, or Ireland actually it was, but she lives in Cary. And she asked me what I do, and she said, what do you do? And I don't usually lead out, you know, telling them, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Pastor David. I mean, on a flight, people start doing the sign of the cross, and they're getting nervous. We're, going, we're dying tonight. I mean, this thing's over, and they start getting nervous. I don't introduce myself that way. And so finally she said, what did you say you did for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And, and so we started talking. She said, you know what? She said, and somehow she brought up the American Constitution. She said, your document is one of the most amazing documents, most perfect documents ever written. She was like, its forefathers had no concept of, of what they were putting together. And, and she was sharing all about this. And I'm thinking, for the next six and a half hours, we did nothing but talk. Everyone else on our team was snoring. I mean, lights were off, TVs were off, sound asleep. But it was my opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus. One of the trips in India, we were flying from uh, Mumbai to, uh, uh, to Manipur. And as we were flying on that plane, the guy beside me spoke really good English. And we started talking about the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And here's someone who believes in literally thousands of gods. And I'm telling him how Jesus Christ is the only way to God. 
and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, God puts people in your path. If you'll just listen, if you'll just pay attention, there's conversations that can be had. And folks, this Ethiopian man had no doubt, was, was well-educated, yet he did not understand the Bible. Philip had an instant opportunity to share the good news. Notice he didn't open up the Three Circles app. Notice he didn't start quoting the Romans Road. He just shared with him Jesus. That's the most important thing. And folks, you say, are these not important? No, they are. They're a tool in the resource book. But folks, the reality is, is all you have to do is share what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And we don't have to have 52 different resources, but use them. Uh, apply it to memory. Memorize the verses of Scripture. He used the storyline of Scripture to point him to Jesus Last week when I shared the gospel and those three men got saved in the service, the thing that, that blew my mind, and, and folks, every time blows my mind is how Jesus Christ can transform our lives. And folks, just when we least expect it, that's when God does his greatest work. On this day, the Ethiopian eunuch believed in Jesus Verse 36 says, he looks over, he sees a body of water. I think they were passing the Jordan Lake over there on 64. And he said, hey, there's water. Why can't I get baptized? And he says, do you believe? He says, yes, I believe. And they stopped the chariot, the Bentley. They got out. Uh, they took off all the, the fancy clothing and, and rings and all that. And he went into the lake and he baptized him. You know what the Bible says? About that moment, the Spirit of God took Philip up and transported him to a whole different place. Imagine, here's an Ethiopian man going, I don't know what just happened, but the guy who just baptized me is in another city, another town, now preaching the gospel. So I love Philip commanded the chariot to stop, and he said, let's get baptized right now. I wonder this morning, are you yielding to the Spirit's control so that you can identify when God Places people in your path that need to hear the gospel. Are you yielding to the Spirit's control so that when God places that, that waitress who's had a, a day, maybe she's had a lifetime of crazy, are you listening to the Spirit's control when that neighbor begins to share the, the trial, the struggle that they're going through? When that co-worker begins to share something they're going through, God places people in your path that need to hear the gospel, are we yielding to the Spirit's control? You see, when we began this series four weeks ago, we talked about the lack of praying for opportunities to share our faith. The lack of praying and how that directly impacts our ability to boldly proclaim the gospel. I shared all these statistics from, from LifeWay Resources. When is the last time we had a gospel conversation with someone in our sphere of influence? When is the last time, not we, when is the last time I, you, had a gospel conversation with someone in our spirit? Every head bowed, every eye closed.